Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Uh, some years ago, uh, I went through a brief stint of um, training and participating in uh, triathlons. Uh, that is long in my rearview mirror now, but... Um, uh, I participated in a triathlon at um, Benelli Park there at the um, Pudding Stone um, Dam, and um, I had trained for the swim portion um, in a uh, in a pool, like you know, at, I think it was a LA Fitness pool or something like that. And um, so you can imagine training in a pool like that, right? You, the water's clear. You can you can measure your progress. It's warm, um, exactly. And, um, and so, you know, that's what I had been used to and I was training. And I got a rude awakening um, the moment I uh, dove into uh, the lake there at uh, the Pudding Stone Dam. Yes, the water was much colder. I did have a wetsuit on, so that helped. But what was most shocking to me was how murky the water was. And I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anything as I, as I swam. And I couldn't measure my progress. I had no sense of orientation of where I was headed and if I was headed in the right direction. And, um, and I kind of panicked. Um, and it, it sort of uh, really, really flustered, um, flustered me. And there was this almost a feeling of sort of claustrophobia that sort of came over me. And it was, it was really rough. Now, thankfully, it was a very short distance. <laughs> so I just sort of powered through and I, and, and, um, and I got through it. But I, I, I share that story because I think um, that can be our experience um, in our souls when we're in the midst of busyness and distraction. We, as followers of Jesus, we have received the living water, right? The living water of God is in, um, in our souls. But um, if you've ever done a thing where you get a, a glass jar and you, can, you put some um, rocks and dirt at the bottom and fill it up with water, you know, but then you shake it up, Right? All of a sudden, it gets real murky. In fact, you don't even have to imagine that. I actually brought a, a prop with us here. Let me, let me make sure I grab the right one here. Uh, there we go. Yeah, here, this one. So, you know, you can imagine it gets all shaken up. And, um, and that's what our souls can feel like. And all of a sudden, things are murky, and we don't have a great sense of direction and where... Um, where we're going, and we just, we can't see very clearly, right? This is why we want to break the status quo of busyness and distraction. We want to be the kind of people who have sort of a clarity and a purpose and a sense of um, direction. But we understand that when our lives are full of busyness and um, distraction, um, it can just stir things up like this and make it a lot harder for us to see. Jesus understood this. And um, he came not just to give us living water, but also to teach us the way to live so that we could live in such a way where um, we can see things clearly and our souls can be settled um, in him. Listen to um, these verses that uh, I shared last week, but this time I'm going to read them um, out of the message. And this is from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The phrase that jumps out to me as I read these verses is where he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What a, what a beautiful line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Imagine living our lives in a way that we are shaped and centered in these unforced rhythms of grace, that that's what Jesus is offering us, and we can learn from him how to do that. So I want to spend our time this morning um, moving in a more kind of a practical direction and trying to answer the question, how do we learn the unforced rhythms of grace? What does that look like? And I'm going to suggest um, uh, three things this morning. Uh, there's, there's lots of... Uh, uh, Rhythms of grace that God invites us into, God's kingdom is so rich and full and creative. Um, but I, for, for the sake of this morning, I'm going to suggest three. And we'll explore those together. The first is learning the grace of silence. The grace of silence. Um, so I have um, a pair of those sort of fancy earbuds, right? The, the AirPod um, Pros and, you know... the a little bit of a confession. Yes, they're, they're very, they're very they're expensive, they're fancy, but I love them, okay? I love them. And one of the things that I love about them um, is if you're out in a coffee shop or Starbucks or whatever, you know, and, um, and um, I pop those things in, they have a, a, a noise cancellation feature. Um, I don't really understand the technology. To me, it feels like magic, but I put them in, and all of a sudden, the noise that's all around me... <laughs> It just drops, and all of a sudden, it, it's just a lot quieter. And what strikes me about that every time is I'm not actually aware how much noise there is around me until I put those things in, right? And I think that's um, why it is a good thing for us to practice the grace of silence. When we actually quiet ourselves and just choose into silence for a little bit, all of a sudden we become aware of like, whoa, there was just a lot of noise going on in my soul. And now as I quiet myself, um, that's really good for me. Now I think for most of us, um, silence is actually kind of uncomfortable. Um, we, don't, we, we live in such a noisy world that when we experience silence, we're a little bit like, ah, I don't know what to do with this, right? Um, and part of the reason for that is um, one of the analogies that I love that... Um, uh, Pete Scazzaro talks about in his Emotionally spiritu uh, Healthy Spirituality course is that we are like, uh, we're like icebergs, right? Where, um, you know how icebergs, like, you only see 10% of what's there on the surface, right? The other 90% is sort of buried down below the surface and you can't see it. And that, that, that's what it's like for us as people. We're, we're mostly aware of the top 10% of the things that people can see and what we're aware of. But then there's so much more that's down underneath us that's sort of lurking down there, and we haven't, we don't sort of access that very easily. And so when we're silent, it gives space for those things to rise to the surface. It cultivates our ability to be present to ourselves and to God. You guys know the story uh, in uh, uh, Kings, First or Second Kings, I'm forgetting which one, but uh, where Elijah goes on Mount Horeb, 
um, and is in need of deep restoration from God. And he's sitting in the cave, and then sort of there's the big wind, and then there's the big fire, and God isn't in the wind or the fire. There's an earthquake, I think. No, God's on the earthquake. And it's in the still, small voice. It's in the silence that Elijah is able to hear God and be restored by him. Silence is a grace to us. But we're not very practiced. Um, at it. One of the practices that I have been experimenting with over the, uh, the last year or two is incorporating a brief period of silence in the middle of my day. Um, now, I, I'll confession, I, I've had long stretches where I forget to do it, um, right? It's, it's not easy to do it, but when I have done it, when I just sort of stop in the middle of the day and I'm just silent for a few minutes, I actually have to put um, it on my timer. It just sort of helps me enter in. So I, you know, like how long, you know, how, how long is 30? Has it been 30 seconds, been a minute? I don't know. You know, so I put it on my timer, a few minutes, whatever I have time for, and I just sit and I'm silent. And grace pours into my soul. And so I want us to try that this morning. Before we move on to the um, other two, can we just practice this for a minute? So you can experience it and sort of see what I'm talking about, and then hopefully try this at home and incorporate this in your day. So um, we're just going to be silent for one minute, okay? And don't worry, I'm going to put it on my timer, so you don't have to stress out about that, okay? We're going to for one, and um, this kind of silence, um, in certain traditions, another way it's talked about is called centering prayer. And what it means is we're just silently centering our hearts before the Lord. Now, you know what happens when you get silent um, like our bodies can get still, our mouths can go quiet, but our brains can still go right all over the place, right? And so um, one way to help with that, and I'm going to um, offer this to you, is to, to center ourselves and to, to choose a very short phrase that when you sense your mind spinning off in one direction or another, you just say that in your mind and it re-centers you in God, okay? And here's how, and this is what's fun. It's sort of choose your own adventure. You get to choose your phrase, okay? So I'm going to lead you through how to choose it real quick. So first of all, I want you to think about which person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are you feeling most connected to right now, okay? There's no wrong answer. You're not going to offend the other parts of the Trinity if you choose one, right? It's like, right, we're, we're all good in God. Okay, so just which one do you feel drawn to this morning? And then choose an attribute or an adjective or an aspect of that person of the Trinity that um, you feel drawn to. So, for example, it could be loving father. Gracious Jesus, Spirit of Peace. You can pick one of those or one that you feel drawn to. And now we're just going to be silent for a minute. And if you find yourself getting distracted, just say that phrase and let it bring you back to the center. All right. Here we go. Let's be silent.
Amen. That was one minute. That might have been hard for some of us. I think for a lot of us, we're, it's like um, if you're like, like severely out of shape, maybe you've recovered from a surgery or something where you just, you know, were bedridden for weeks and weeks, and, um, and you're starting to exercise for the first time, right? Um, it's just enough to like take a walk around the block, and that's a good step in the right direction. That's how I think it can be with us with silence. And so can you imagine how your week might be different this next week if you found a time every day this next week to practice one minute of silence and centering prayer. I want to invite us to consider doing that. I think as we do that, it will begin to help our souls settle and all the gunk that's in there to settle down and help us hear from God and see more clearly. All right, I'm going to move on to the second grace. And that's the grace of solitude. Um, it seems to me, you know, if Superman's going to have a fortress like this, right, you know, of course we should uh, be able to practice it as well. And Jesus actually practiced this. Um, we see in Mark chapter 1, after Jesus has had a very robust ministry of healing and casting out demons and ministering to the, to the town of Capernaum, so much so that you know, people are all crowded around the door and, and many lives are impacted the next morning, Jesus, it says, rose early in the morning before daylight and went off to a lonely place. When the disciples wake up, they are wondering where he is. And there's already, you can imagine, crowds lining outside the door, like wanting to get more of Jesus. And so they rush off to find him. And when they find him in that place of solitude, they said, Jesus, we've been looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. They want more of what you have to offer Jesus says, no, it's time for us to move on to the next town. For that is why I've come out. In that space of solitude with his father, being alone, away from the crowd, away from the hustle and bustle, Jesus got clarity. He heard instructions from the father and had a new sense of purpose and direction that he was to go. We all love the idea of being able to be led by God through our lives, to have a sense of we are accomplishing God's purpose and we're getting direction from him. But when our lives look like this and our souls are just so murky, it is hard for us to hear from him and sense that direction. And so I think we're wise to take a page out of Jesus' playbook and to let him teach us the grace of solitude. Some of you may be aware, um, if you know my wife, Annalisa, that this has been a really tough year um, for our family and for her especially. Um, it's been a year of a lot of loss and, um, and grief and, um, and trauma. And that was um, sort of added to um, right at the end of July when Annalisa um, lost her mom. Um, rather unexpectedly. And, um, you know, our culture, we don't, um, we don't make a lot of space for grieving. So I think she got three days off work that she was allowed to take and then had to jump right back into, into work. And her work is actually pretty demanding and has its own sort of challenges and difficulty and, and traumas that she has to navigate. Um, and she knew, she knew like, oh, I'm going to hit the wall soon. 
And so um, she wisely uh, sort of looked out on her schedule. And so I could see about a month out, she's like, okay, I'm going to, six weeks out, I'm going to take a week off. And the original idea was to actually go vacation with my parents who were going to uh, Hawaii. They had a trip planned. She's like, can I just tag along? I think I'm just going to need a break and some, some space to do that. And, um, and so that was the original plan. And then, you know, as has been the thing the last few years, COVID messed that up and Hawaii shut down. Um, a few weeks before she was to go on her vacation. And um, she was like, what do I do? I've got this week off. Um, vacation plans are sort of, you know, spoiled. What do I do with it? And she was talking with um, a, a trusted mentor of hers. And, and this mentor asked her, have you, ever, um, have you ever done a prayer retreat? Have you ever experienced solitude in that way? And as soon as the mentor expressed that to her. Annalisa said that she just, she felt something stir in her soul, and she had a sense of like, not since I was a college student, but yes, that is, that is I think, what God is inviting me into. And so uh, she reached out to a, a, a monastery down in Oceanside that runs, that has a retreat, um, uh, a retreat house that you can go and rent a room from them, and they provide the meals, um, and it's just a way to practice solitude and to get away. And so she did that for a few days. I'll be honest with you. Um, I was prepared to get a phone call um, after day one, you know, from her of like, ah, this is so hard. You know, I was just, I was sort of prepared that th this might be tough for her. But the three days passed and I didn't hear a peep. And I thought, God is up to and sure enough, when we got together and I got to hear about her experience, I was blown away by what God would did. But let me just share with you her words. At the end of her retreat, she decided to sort of write up a summary of what God had did, and she gave me permission to share this with you guys this morning. She said, I was able to pause and just be, be present, be silent, be alone. I had space to exhale all the noise, burden, and grief I had been carrying and deeply inhale much-needed silence, rest, and comfort. I wholly embraced and believed the promises Jesus gives to those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I was challenged by his word to grow more fully in the fruit of the Spirit, particularly in patience. Is Interestingly enough, my mom's first name is Pacencia, which means patience, and her nickname is pause, which means peace, patience and peace. Even in her passing, my mom continues to speak to me and shape me more into his image. I was encouraged that God not only hears me, but he also speaks to me. As I stepped back and retreated into my time of solitude, I could hear Jesus' gentle and tender voice. He spoke to me through scripture and through praising him and proclaiming his goodness and worship. He spoke to me through the monks as I bore witness to their unwavering commitment to lead a life of obedience and faith. He spoke to me as I reflected on my early years as a Christian and how so much of the lessons I learned then serve as the solid foundation on which I stand now. He spoke to me as I walked through the stations of the cross and took in the ultimate sacrifice he made for me in his death and resurrection. I praise Jesus for this time away. I thank him for his goodness grace, and gentleness toward me. As I entered into a sacred space, my battered and bruised spirit was restored and renewed. 
so grateful to Jesus for the grace of solitude and how that uh, met my wife in her time of need. And she was different. She was different after that retreat. I could see the work that God had done in her. And obviously she continues to care, carry the burdens and the grief. But something, something got shifted. Something got cleared in her soul those few days. That is why I think God invites us into the practice of solitude. And I'll just say, um, again, I think for most of us, this is like a new kind of practice. This may not be a regular thing. And so I want to encourage you, start small. Start small. You know, there's a, a wonderful botanical garden here in Claremont. I don't know if you know this. It's right, right down the road. And um, you might just try going there for an hour and just walking with Jesus through the garden. That's a very biblical thing to do, right? And just take an hour of solitude. Um, I wonder if that could be a great way as we prepare to enter into the Advent season. We always talk about, you know, oh, don't forget the reason for the season, and oh, we get so busy. What if we all committed to sometime during the time of Advent to practice this? And just, just go take an hour or two of solitude to be present to God. I think you will encounter God's grace in that. But the last one, and this is where um, I'll end, is um, learning the rhythm of grace of Sabbath. Now, <clears throat> there are a few different approaches I could take to talk about this one. I could focus on how Sabbath is a command. Right? It's one of the Ten Commandments and how um, we're supposed to practice it as an act of obedience. I could focus on how Sabbath requires faith and how we practice it. When we practice it, we're placing our trust in God to provide. But instead, what I want to focus on this morning, what I sense God leading me to focus on, is how Sabbath is a gift that God intends to use to bless us. If you um, read through Genesis chapter 1, you'll see that there are three places where um, God blesses things at the beginning of creation. The first is he blesses the creatures and the animals to be fruitful and multiply, right, so that they would fill the earth. The second thing he blesses, he blesses human beings, that they would be fruitful and multiply. You see the pattern there, right? God is a God of abundance. Right? There's a fancy word, fecundity, right? fruitfulness. Right? That's who our God is. That's what he desires for us. And the third place that he blesses is he blesses the seventh day. He blesses the Sabbath. The way I interpret that is that God intends the Sabbath to be an experience of fruitfulness, a blessing to us. That in that day of rest, we would begin to, we would be restored and experience the fruitfulness of God's kingdom in our lives. But you know, by, so Sabbath has been around since the very beginning of creation. Since the very beginning of the nation of Israel, that was one of their foundational practices. It's been around forever. And, um, but by Jesus' day, it had been twisted into something that was centered on restriction and limitation. It had become a heavy burden, right? The, uh, the Jewish scholars said, okay, well, we know we're not supposed to work, but what is work? And they came up with 39 different categories of work. 
right? And, um, and, and so then let's create these subcategories. And, you know, and they got it down to like how many steps you could walk, how many letters you could write, right? And it was just, it became this oppressive burden focused on restriction and limitation. And, and um, I think there's some residue from that, uh, of that kind of uh, legalistic approach to Sabbath that's still with us today. There have been times in the church's history where it's been emphasized in kind of a legalistic sort of way. And I think a lot of Christians, these are, oh, you know, we're free from that. We don't need to practice Sabbath. And I would say, okay, yeah, you're free from that. You don't need to practice. But why wouldn't you want to? It's a gift that God has given us in the very way that he created, woven within the very fabric of creation is this rhythm of six days of activity and work and then a seventh day of rest. And it's meant for fruitfulness. We're invited by Jesus to enjoy the gift that God created, not to make life harder, but to make life better. So how do we enjoy this gift? Let me just fill out, I think, um, kind of some categories that are helpful as we think about Sabbath. The first is um, we stop. Might sound obvious, but, you know, that we would stop for a 24-hour period every seven days, that we would embrace that rhythm where we just stop. We stop working. We stop defining ourselves by our work and our activity and our busyness. We stop. And then the second thing that we do is we rest. We rest. Now, I'll admit, it's challenging to figure out what does that look like. Okay. I mean, yeah, okay, nap, that's great. You know, on a Sabbath, we can't nap all day, right? So, right, um, I found myself, as I've tried to practice, struggling, like, what, what, you know, what is truly restful? What is the rest? Well, I came across a, a, sort of a, a wise saying that has helped me um, that says, if you work with your hands, then rest with your mind. But if you work with your mind, then rest with your hands. And so what I found, I'm someone who, um, uh, you know, I, I don't work with my hands, you know, during the week, a, a lot of sort of thinking and reading and talking and, right, you know, I'm, I'm sort of that, you know, in ministry, that's what my work is like. And so um, when I get to the Sabbath, I found it's really restorative for me to do some yard work, right? Or to, I like to organize, you know, and just something concrete to sort of interact with um, can be restful. So we rest. And then the third thing we do is we delight, we delight. We enjoy. We enjoy God's creation. We enjoy relationships. We enjoyed God's gifts to us through food and music and art and story. Can you imagine having a regular day in your life where the whole point of the day is to rest and delight, to enjoy, to experience all of the good gifts that God has given us. That's a part of Sabbath. And the last one is we contemplate. We remember, we reflect on who the giver of the gift is, whether through scripture or worship or reading 
um, or journaling or whatever other ways that you might want to contemplate um, God. The challenge, I think, of Sabbath is sitting with these categories and going, how would I spend a day like this? When um, our staff team were doing some learning around this, um, and this is actually part of the content in the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, we found it really helpful just to kind of dream a little bit, just to say, okay, without any pressure to make this happen, like what would be your ideal day of Sabbath? What would you want to do? And it was so fun dreaming about that. And then the, then the challenge was, okay, now let's go try it. Let's go try it. Okay. Now, I acknowledge that when we're at different stages of life, this may feel easier or harder. Um, we had some good friends who, when their kids were small, right? When your kids are small, the thought of rest, like, yeah, right. Good, have fun with that, right? right? But they were so creative in how they engaged it. On, Sabbath was meant to enjoy, to delight, to rest. So what they did is they had some special toys, that they put away during the week, but then on the Sabbath day, they would bring out for the kids. And the kids got to play with their special Sabbath toys. They had a Sabbath dessert, right? They had a special dessert that they would have every Sabbath. They found creative ways to sort of create that spirit of Sabbath. So let's have fun with that. I think all too often um, we forget um, or we approach of like, if I can't sort of nail this or sort of get this right from day one, we look at that, ah, oh, that's just too hard, so I'm not going to try it all. But for those of you who've had kids, do you remember what it was like when your kids were five learning to play soccer for the first time? Right? You ever go to like a five-year-old kid's soccer game? I mean, it's hilarious, right? These kids are out there and... They're just like, they barely know the rules. They, they, they lose track of which direction they're supposed to go. They're just sort of running around. And, but anytime a kid gets a foot on the ball and the ball moves, what does the crowd do? Cheer, right? <laughs> we just, woo! It doesn't matter if it's in the wrong direction or not. It doesn't matter if I went in the goal or not. Parents are just cheering their kids on for trying, for getting out there, and for playing, Right? I think that's God's heart towards us when it comes to these things. Why else would we practice Sabbath other than we, we want more of Jesus, right? We want to embrace Jesus' invitation to learn these rhythms of grace. Do you think God cares that you get it right the first time or the tenth time or the hundredth time? Right? He's going to be cheering you on. Oh, that's so great that you tried that. That's awesome. Let's try it again next week. As I shared, I've been, I've been trying to practice Sabbath now with more seriousness um, the last few years. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I've been in full-time ministry for over 25 years. Sabbath has not been a regular practice for most of those years. But I'm trying to learn now how to do that. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, it's a learning curve. Clumsy, I make attempts, it doesn't, I've had some that are great, I've had some that are, well, that was kind of a bust, what can I learn from that, you know, but I'm learning, right, and I'm now at the point where I know I will never go back, I will never stop trying to practice Sabbath because I've experienced the fruitfulness that comes from it, so let's try it, give it a shot, and see what God does.
I just want to close by, um, you've heard me mention it a few times, but I'm just going to make one more shameless plug for the Emotional Healthy Spirituality course that we're going to be offering here in a few weeks. We're doing it on Zoom. It's an eight-week course. We're going to offer the first two weeks just as a way to sample it, to try it out without making that big commitment, okay? And when I say course, this is not like someone lecturing at you the whole time. Um, it's very, it's like some content, and we get a lot of chance to interact over it. And then you get homework and things to work on and try, and then we get to come back together and talk about how it went. It is, in my years of ministry, I've, I've done different things like this, but this is a really good one. This is a really good one. Our staff team went through this together, and we were blessed by it. We grew, and we grew closer to each other, and we grew closer to Jesus. And we want to offer that to you. Kyle and I are going to be the ones leading it, and we just want to encourage you to consider giving it a shot. Whether you can do that or not, if you start to live out some of these graces of silence and solitude and Sabbath, what's going to happen is things are going to start to settle. And now it's not perfect, but can you see how much clearer? This is a jar that I was stirred up several hours ago, but as it's had a chance to settle, it starts to get clearer. And then we start to experience the light yoke, the easy yoke and the light burden that Jesus offers us as we learn to walk with him. Let me pray. Lord, as I, as I look at this uh, second jar, I'm struck by... Um, there's still some clarity to come. And Lord, it feels like that's where, where we're at. We're all on the journey and we're in progress. And um, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would long for more of you, that we would believe your promises, that you offer us a life that is full. And Jesus, we acknowledge that busyness and distraction and running through life without pause or reflection or settling is not good for our souls. Jesus, would you rescue us from ourselves, from our broken patterns, from our indifference, our weak desires, and for more of you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are cheering us on and that it's your heart's desire that we would just get on the field and play. Would you help us do that, Jesus, in your name? Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.